Now, I have looked forward to today's service for over 10 years. And I'm so excited that you guys are here. I'm so glad that something you know, got you out of bed here today in the freezing cold. You braved the cold to get here. Those temperatures, I mean, when I came into church, it was 41 degrees. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That cold, you know, so as a Southern California, utterly spoiled. And I was like, this is freezing. And uh, we actually had a pastor here on staff. And they, he and his wife had come from Miami. And Kimberly and I had just come here from uh, central New York, upstate New York, which is just the, as cold as it gets in the country around the Great Lakes and Syracuse, New York. And so we thought we were in heaven. And the wife of this one pastor, she was like cold all the time because they came from Miami. And you know, they eventually left our staff after two or three years to go back to the warmth of Miami. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You are in heaven and you don't even realize that you're in heaven. So anyway, you brave the cold to be here, and I have looked forward to this service for, for over 10 years, because about 10 years, 10 plus years ago, I got this idea, and, and it just felt like the Lord gave it to me, that on the Sunday after Billy Graham died, that we would take a portion of one of his sermons as part of the service and watch that sermon together. Now, I didn't think he was ever going to die, because this is like 10 or 20 years ago. He was 99, just short of 100 and, and so we just thought, this guy is just going to stick around until Jesus comes back. That's what, that's what he's waiting for. i give you an idea. I have these Billy Graham sermons stacked up in my office, and I was going to pick from one of them in order to share with you this morning for us to share together. And they, this, I had this idea so long ago that they are four VHS tapes. That's how old they are. They're VHS. So I've been binge-watching Billy Graham this week in order to pick one uh, for this morning. But I, I thought I'd do that. But then I always thought to myself, you know what? What are the chances this is going to work out? It, it might be a Sunday like it could be the Sunday before Easter, and then you can't do videos at the Fairplex. Um, maybe it'll be a Sunday that I'm gone. Uh, maybe it'll be a Sunday and we're really tied into a particular series like Philippians, and it's just not going to fit. So I thought, you know what? I'm, I've planned on this, but what are the chances uh, that it's ever going to work out? So Wednesday morning, my daughter, Abby, she's on East Coast time in Washington, D.C. She texted me about five in the morning. Oh, Billy Graham died, Dad. And, and so I, I roll out of bed and I see that's the first thing I see because like all of you, how many check your phone the first thing you do when you wake up? That's what I do. I always check my phone first thing I wake up. And there's this message that he died. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, is it going to fit this Sunday? Is it going to fit this Sunday? And I just turned in my outline and the title to my message the day before. So I rolled out of bed, got my folder that was next to the bed that had my sermon outline in it. And the title of today's message is, How to Be a Person God Uses. Is that cool or what? And as you see me work through the message, I know, I know, it's crazy. Like even the sermon outline is like a Billy Graham sermon outline. I mean, just, just totally, it's about his life as an example for us. Not that we're going to worship him, we worship Jesus. But Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And he gives us examples. And, and, and this is just such a great example that I want to share um, uh, from today. It's just going to fit perfectly. Now, when you say, how to be a person God uses, you think, okay, you know, Billy Graham, that makes sense. History's most traveled evangelist. Uh, he spoke in person to more people than anybody in human history. He spoke and pre preached in person to 200 million people over his lifetime in 84 countries in six different continents. He was a, a, a real innovator in the area of multimedia. He was one of the first to realize that media could be used powerfully to reach people for Christ. 
when I was in high school, high school senior, my best friend, I took him to a Billy Graham movie, Billy Graham film called Time to Run. And my friend, my best friend, committed his life to Christ that night. And he's a leader in my home church in Southern Virginia uh, to this day because of that night with a Billy Graham film. Pastor Greg told me uh, between the 830 and 9.45 service that he came to Christ uh, from a, a Billy Graham movie. Um, just a little bit of a funny aside. Uh, my dad was a businessman. He wasn't a pastor. He was a businessman, president of a lumber company. But he was fanatical about bringing Billy Graham movies to our hometown. I mean, he would book a, an auto school auditorium or some big auditorium, and we would have, like, Billy Graham movie there 10 nights of the week with people talking to people about Jesus afterwards. So he was just, like, fanatical on it which my sisters and I always found incredibly ironic because my dad would not allow us to go to movies. I mean, he was like, I never saw a movie till I was 21 years old. True story. My first movie, I saw Rocky. And I was at Wheaton College, and I saw Rocky. That was, that was a good place to start, right? It was a good place to start. It's been downhill ever since. And I remember the whole time I'm sitting there going, Oh, no, Jesus is going to come back. I just know he's going to come back. My dad warned me about this, you know, and he's going to come back. I'd be so much... And a lot of my family members all say that I'm just making up for lost time, you know, from all those years. But anyway, the big joke in my family was dad only liked a movie if it was rated BG for Billy Graham. That's the only way. You're like, if a movie was rated BG, he was there. Anything else, he wouldn't want any part of it. So uh, here's the purpose of his life. His purpose statement, he was a man of purpose, had a purpose statement. My one purpose in life is to help people find a personal relationship with God, which I believe comes from knowing Christ. And you know, I would encourage you, it's a cool thing to write out a purpose statement for your life. As a matter of fact, it's probably more interesting or helpful than anything I'm going to preach over the next few minutes. Just sit right down, right now, why not? And come up, write up a purpose statement for your life. And that was his purpose statement. He shaped a generation of pastors. Uh, I, I remember as a kid, we had an intercom system throughout our house. And so every Sunday night was Billy Graham's program, Hour of Decision. So every Sunday night of my life, I fell asleep with an intercom right over my bed to Billy Graham preaching. I fell asleep to a Billy Graham sermon like every Sunday night of my life. Uh, the seminary that I went to, Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary in Boston, was started by Billy Graham. And so he really did shape uh, a generation of pastors. So when you say, how to be a person God uses, you say, well, of course, Billy Graham. And of course, uh, the Apostle Paul. We've been reading his letter uh, to the Philippians. But today, Paul is going to write about two other men that you don't know as much about, particularly Epaphroditus. Timothy and Epaphroditus. People name their children Paul. Who names their child Epaphroditus? Nobody does that. Maybe Timothy. I met a new person to the church last service. Uh, and he says, my name is Tim. And I said, and he, another person invited him, part of the Oikos. Dwight had invited uh, Timothy. And I said, Tim, Dwight called me and said, would you preach a sermon on my, my friend's name? You know, So you get your friend's name to me that you're going to invite, and we'll preach a sermon on him. And so you may know Timothy, and of course we know Paul. But Epaphroditus, who is that? Well, Timothy and Epaphroditus, they represent us. They represent you and me, okay? Uh, without them, Paul's ministry wouldn't have been a fraction of what it was. Paul's ministry wouldn't nearly have been effective if he didn't have people behind the scenes named Timothy and Epaphroditus. And, and God's ministry in the world is not the same if you and I don't fulfill our particular purpose that God has for us. Everybody's purpose is equally important. We don't honor Billy Graham because he was a more important Christian. 
or his assignment from God was more important than anybody in this room. We honor him because he saw what his purpose was and he went about fulfilling that purpose to the best of his ability. And everybody in this room, your purpose, God's purpose for you is every bit as important as the Apostle Paul, every bit as important as as it was uh, uh, for Billy Graham. Uh, Back to your study outline. God uses two men as examples of the kind of person who will make a difference in the world. And everybody's is important. You hear me say this all the time. We all have a purpose. Uh, God, you have a line to play in God's orchestral score, in God's orchestra. And if you don't play that one note, you're the, um, you see the Geico commercial where the guy does the triangle sir, uh, solo up front and he rocks out to a, tri- a triangle. So you've got, even if you've got the triangle solo, even if you've got the one piece that you're supposed to do, the one note, God's plan for the world, for human history, for the universe is not complete if you don't do that one thing, if you don't take that one shot for God's team, if you don't want, write that one line in God's story, his story, if you don't say that one line in God's play, it will be inadequate and unfulfilled. And it is just as important as the role that Billy Graham or Paul played. We are the Epaphroditus's, we are the Timothys. That's why I love oikos so much. And that's like our favorite Greek word around here at Purpose Church, oikos, the Greek word for household, which means the 8 to 15 in your sphere of influence. These are people you go to school with. Uh, These are uh, your your roommates. Uh, These are people in your family uh, that you recreate with. You may be on a volleyball team with them, or or these are people you work with. Uh, These are 8 to 15 people that you spend the most time with that do not yet know Jesus. And your assignment from God, my assignment from God, is to go to heaven and to take our oikos with us. And if everybody does that, the world will be one for Christ. Mission accomplished. And everybody has this uh, as an assignment from God that is equally important to the next person. That's why I love oikos, is that we all are equal shareholders in God's, the business of God in the world. We're equal stakeholders, stockholders in, in, the, in the greatest movement in world history. The biggest movement, the most pervasive, every nook and cranny of the world, the third of the world to Christ followers, another third of the world are Christ honorers. And, and, and it's in every language group and every uh, ethnic group. It's the biggest movement. It continues to be the fastest growing movement in world history. And we get to be a part of that. And the vast way most people come to Christ is not through a Billy Graham crusade, even though those were awesome. Not through a Billy Graham movie, even though those are awesome. Not through a television program. Not through a radio program. 90 plus percent, if not 95 or 99 percent of people through the last 2,000 years came to Christ, one friend sharing with another. One beggar telling another beggar where to find food. That one friend telling another friend how to find peace with God. That's how 99% of the growth of the greatest movement in world history has taken place. And we get to be in on that. And everybody's got an equal thing. We don't honor Billy Graham because he had a bigger purpose than us. We honor him because he fulfilled the purpose God gave him. And we have the same opportunity to do the same thing. Now, before there was Oikos, there was this thing called Operation Andrew. And I actually ran one of the Operation Andrews for a Billy Graham crusade. Uh, He came in 1989 to speak at the Carrier Dome in Syracuse, where the Syracuse Orangemen play, big dome there in Syracuse. And I was put in charge as a local pastor in that area, pastor down in Homer, 30 miles south. I was put in charge of what was called Operation Andrew. 
And everybody thinks that people come to a Billy Graham crusade because they just see an ad. Oh, look, Billy Graham's there, and, and they go. That's a tiny fraction. Maybe 4 or 5% come because of name recognition or because of advertising. The vast majority, 95 plus percent, come because a friend invited them. If it was just advertised Billy Graham's at a certain stadium, there would maybe be hundreds there, maybe thousands, that's it. But because friends invite friends, it grows to tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands. And, and that's the main way people came to a crusade. And so just like we have an Oikos card, and maybe next week, Pastor Greg, we should get an, an Oikos card in the program or something or challenge people. Even if we don't do it in the program, I'll just challenge you right now. Make a list of 8 to 15 people that you're going to pray for and invite to one of our Easter services, either Good Friday on Friday night or 8 o'clock here in the worship center or 9 or 11 at the Fairplex. And so you just write a list of 10, 12, or 15, and you begin to pray for them. And then over the next 34 days, you look for an opportunity to invite them to the Fairplex. 90 plus percent of the people at the Fairplex, 95 percent, maybe even 99 percent, will be there because of a friend inviting a friend. And, and, and that's how you, you, you get the people there. I'll show you kind of a sad picture uh, this is me because I was with Operation Andrew and in charge of that part of it. Here I am at the Carrier Dome praying uh, for the, introducing the offering and, and, then, and then praying for the offering. Now, let me just tell you what's so sad as a pastor. Billy Graham looks utterly bored uh, while, while I'm speaking there. Is there anything worse for a pastor than boring Billy Graham? Now, one nice grandmotherly type after the 830 said, service said, Oh, Pastor Glenn, he's just praying. He's just praying. That's what he's doing. No, he's bored. He's thinking, where do I eat dinner after this is over? That's what he's thinking right now. Little, little factoid. You know what Billy Graham's favorite restaurant is? Red Lobster. He loved Red Lobster. He wouldn't go to a town and do a crusade if it didn't have a Red Lobster. That's a lie. That's not true. But anyway, <laughs> fortunately, we had one in Syracuse, and the word was, get Billy Graham to Red Lobster every night before the crusade. So he's just sleeping off a little lobster right there before he gets up there to free. But let me just uh, tell you something cool about this. Um, uh, I, I met him, and, and I had met him earlier um, back in college because I was president of this ministry that he had once been president of, so we got to know each other through that. But, but here, when I met him, he was about 70, 71 years old. And when I met him, he was so frail. He had had Parkinson's for a couple of years, a few years. He had had Parkinson's diagnosis. And he was like, when you met him, he really felt old. And you could sense, you know, that he was just very, very frail. I'm telling you, from that seat, the 10 feet to the pulpit, he dropped 40 years on the spot. It was crazy. It's like the anointing of God came on him, and he was not a 70-year-old with Parkinson's. He was a 30-year-old in his prime. It was just like, it was like, like a crazy, crazy thing. So, so anyway, the whole point of that is, is with us in Easter, we get to do the same thing with Oikos that we did for the Billy Graham Crusade with Operation Andrew. It is friend-inviting friend that changes the world much more than a great preacher like Billy Graham. Um, forgive me if you've heard me do this story before. It's one of my favorite illustrations. It's a true story. Ray Johnson writes, A revival took place in a North Carolina tent back in 1934. Two 16-year-old boys walked up to the tent, looked around, heard the music, and quickly identified it as a church service. They didn't want any part of that. They turned around and started to leave when an usher approached them and said, Young men, you might like this after all. We have some seats right over there. 
he led them to two open seats. A little-known speaker named Mordecai Ham spoke that night, a man who never got a book deal, a television program, or an invitation to the White House. Nobody names their kids after Mordecai Ham. At the end of his sermon, he gave an invitation for people to give their lives to Christ. Both of those boys went forward and became Christians. One of them was a tall, skinny kid named Billy Graham. His best friend, Grady Wilson, accompanied him. The pair later launched the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, through which Billy has spoken to more people about Jesus Christ than anybody in human history. Grady Wilson served alongside Billy for 50 years, organizing the entire process. The world impact of those skinny teenagers was possible all because one guy who almost no one has heard of. No, I'm not thinking of Mordecai Ham. I'm thinking of the usher who encouraged two disinterested teens to attend a church service. That usher had skills. God had gifted him to use those skills, and when he did, he changed the course of human history. Now, I'm asking you over the next 34 days to change somebody's eternal destiny, to change history. What thing are you going to volunteer for at Easter at Fairplex or one of our Easter services? I can almost guarantee after that story, the most popular is going to be the usher position. So we're going to, Pastor Adrian, we're going to have plenty of ushers going in there. Uh, that'll be right up there with donuts. People love to pass out the donuts. One for you, one for me. That's what, you know, people love the donuts. Let me tell you what the least popular is. Do you want to be really sacrificial and do the least popular job? Tearing down and cleaning up after the Fairflex. That's the one nobody likes. So, so let's, let's, let's flip it around, okay? Let's have so many servants out there that we pack them with uh, cleaning up and tearing down. And we still need people for the donuts, and we still need ushers. We need people in the parking lot. We need people passing out programs. We need people passing out children's packets to the children. We need people for the children's ministry. But where are we going to volunteer? Who are the people that we're going to pray for? Who are the people we're going to invite, um, like Epaphroditus and Timothy? Who, are, we, are we going to be the Epaphroditus and Timothys behind the ministry of Paul? Are we going to be like the Operation Andrew behind the ministry of Billy Graham? Are we going to be the Oikos people that invite our Oikos? Because that's the way we change history one person at a time. Now notice what he says about Timothy. He says, I have no one else like him. You know what, God, if, if you're with your assignment from God, and, and you just figure out what that assignment is, and maybe it was teaching third grade, uh, graders earlier. Boy, we love, uh, Pastor Eric was telling me something that I, I just loved. He said, um, oh no, it was the staff, the rest of the staff. The high schoolers were gone last week for winter camp. All the high schoolers were gone for winter camp. And we have so many high schoolers now volunteering in all of our different ministries. So many that are here, part of our services, that Pastor Greg told me and all the other pastors said the same. Man, we miss the high schoolers when they're gone. Is that a great thing? Is that a great thing? Boy, we miss the high schoolers when they're gone. They are just essential. You are just essential. You high schoolers are essential uh, to, to what we're doing. And so whatever you are, if you just figure out your purpose and you do it with all of your heart, God from heaven says the same thing about you that he said about Timothy. I have no one else like him or like her. He says about Epaphroditus. He says, honor people like him. Honor the person that's rocking babies in the nursery right now. Honor somebody out watching our cars in Pomona so that it'll get stolen while we're sitting in here worshiping. Okay. Uh, 
honor the person that just taught the second grade Sunday school class last service. All of a sudden, people start running out for their cars. Oh, no. No, no, they got them guarded. They got it guarded. All right, you're you're fine. Um, You know, honor the person that teaches, tutors kids after school uh, here in our, our neighborhood around us in Pomona. Honor those that run the clothing ministry. Honor those that run the furniture ministry. Uh, honor, honor those that run our food ministry. Honor people like them. The kind of people God is looking for. And I want to make it clear that I'm not saying uh, that, that we're worshiping a man. We're just using a man as an example. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, follow me as I follow Christ. Now, he wasn't saying that he was Christ. He was just saying, you know, I'm trying to give you an example of how to follow Christ. And this is just a good example for us. He had many flaws. I want to tell you, Billy Graham had plenty of flaws. And I kind of appreciate him because there's some of my same flaws. I I, I like that. Uh, He always was tempted to talk about politics when he shouldn't. Now, I'm really good on Sunday mornings. I'm pretty disciplined about not getting into political things. But in person... It's, it's a problem for me, I want you to know. And Billy Graham, a couple of mistakes he made, and, and, and I love the fact that it took him two big mistakes before he finally figured it out. That's like awesome, you know. He's a knucklehead like me that has to get burned multiple times before I pull my hand out of the fire. And uh, he actually supported Fidel Castro when he came to power in Cuba. Billy Graham publicly supported. Now, you've got to understand, for those that weren't around back then, or I really wasn't either, it was years ago, or I was a baby, uh, Fidel Castro, I mean, Batista, the dictator before Fidel Castro, was just horrific. And so everybody thought, well, anything's got to be better. Nothing could be worse than him. Well, they found worse than him with Fidel Castro. And it embarrassed him. And so he said, man, I'm going to stay out of politics. Well, then later on, he got a little too close to Richard Nixon as president. So when the whole Watergate thing came out, That embarrassed him again, and he finally, for the rest of his life, he just said, man, I'm just preaching Jesus and not political political stuff. I'm I'm just leaving that alone. That's just distracting from the gospel. I'm preaching about Jesus. Um, His wife, they said, would often kick him under the table. They'd be out at a formal dinner, and somebody would ask him a political question, and people actually were pressuring him to run for president. He got a lot of pressure to run for president. And so somebody asked him about politics, and he'd start to answer, and his wife would kick him under the table. And I laughed about that because Kimberly does that all the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, she, usually we're sitting next to each other, so she just puts her hand on my knee like, don't do that. Don't, 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 don't you say that. Don't, don't you do that. Okay, how to be a person God uses. First of all, be a person of compassion. People who put people before profits or before hobbies or before their career or before their recreational uh, uh, pursuits. Uh, put people before prophets. Verses 19 through 21, he's talking about Timothy. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. Everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. And he loved Timothy because Timothy said, you know what, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. I'm going to seek first the the interests of Jesus. Put him number one in my life. And Paul says, man, that is valuable. God is looking. He's looking over the planet earth to find people that will put um, the needs of people and getting them to go to heaven and building bridges in your oikos to reach people for Jesus before all the other things that can distract us in life. He put people before 
prophets. Billy Graham was the first one to have a separate board that he submitted himself to with strict accountability. Before Billy Graham, 99% of evangelists were very honest and, and, and very just wonderful people. But it, there was a temptation in it because they would just take an offering and then the, the evangelists would take the money home. And 99% of people didn't give in to that temptation. But some of the time, there was some, you know, some things going on that weren't proper. And Billy Graham was one of the first that said, I don't want any part of that. And he created a separate board that he submitted himself to and, and, a, and a separate financial accountability system that kept him honest and free from accusations that he in any way was mishandling money. Number two, consistency. People who put character before conformity. Let's pick it up with verse 22, also about Timothy. But you know that Timothy has proved himself. God is looking for people of character who have proved themselves. Because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Uh, Billy Graham was known for just being so strict with regard to never being in a situation that could be perceived as compromising with a member of the opposite sex. Uh, he, he made it a lifetime commitment to never be in a room with a woman other than a family member. They even said that if he was standing there and an elevator would open and there was just one, a woman by herself on the elevator, he'd step back and wait for the next elevator. He said, that's crazy, that's crazy. Yeah, but God used him in a crazy way too. God is looking for crazy people that will put on the screen on their computer so that they don't see pornography. He's looking for people that are going to say, I'm going to keep my mind clean so I can be a clean vessel that God will use. He's looking for people that just will do crazy stuff, maybe not even have a computer, if that leads to a particular temptation in your life. He's looking for people like that, people of character and not conformity. Uh, Number three, cooperation. He's looking for people of cooperation. People who put cooperation before competition. Our theme this morning is better together. It's one of our core values as a church. We are better uh, together. Do you know that a a draft horse, like one of those big draft horses, if it can pull 8,000 pounds and it's hooked up to another draft horse that can can carry uh, 8,000 pounds, together you would think they would carry 16,000 pounds. But when they work together, they actually can pull 24,000 pounds three times the amount that any could do individually rather than just two times the amount. Aren't you glad you came to church today? You would not have found that out. You just learned something you did not know. How great is that? Uh, Do you know that geese in formation can fly 71% further than they can by themselves because they get uplift from the other geese there in the V formation? Uh, They take turns at the point Uh, breaking the air there for the other geese, and they rotate out and take turns at the beginning. When you hear geese honking, they are honking encouragement to the goose that's at the point position. Another scientific fact, very interesting from science. Um, Did you know that uh, why one line of the geese is longer than the other line? Did you know why that is? Because there's more geese in that line. That's why it's a stunning... I know only if you're good at science are you going to be able to follow that. You know, if you're good at science, you'll be able to follow that thing. Yeah, very good. Very scientific. Very, very difficult to understand. Um, People who put cooperation before competition. Verse 25. Here's what he says about Epaphroditus. But I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger 
whom you sent to take care of my needs. Brother, co-worker, fellow soldier, better together, people who put cooperation before competition. Uh, Billy Graham was the first to include Catholics in his evangelistic crusades. First one to cooperate uh, from Protestant to Catholic uh, in his evangelistic crusades. He was the first to integrate his evangelistic crusades. Uh, Martin Luther King uh, Jr. uh, writes about him. He said, had it not been for the ministry of my good friend, Dr. Billy Graham, my work in the civil rights movement would not have been as successful as it has been. 1965, at the height of tension within our nation, in the the middle of the civil rights movement, uh, Billy Graham had scheduled, had it all booked for a series of meetings all across Europe, and he canceled that tour and instead did a series of evangelistic crusades all across Alabama, uh, just hoping that somehow he could uh, break down the gospel, would break, tear down walls of division between the races, and seeing the importance of his work alongside Dr. King's. Now, of course, Dr. King did the, you know, the lion's share, 99% of that. And yet there was this beautiful thing happening in America where you saw these two leaders uh, cooperating with each other. It made a tremendous impact. I remember my home church pastor in southern Virginia, um, he followed Billy Graham's lead. And he began to integrate uh, our church's evangelistic services as well because Billy Graham was doing that. Uh, My church in Virginia had a Christian school that I went to from fourth to eighth grade. And it was the first private school, a private school in the history of Virginia, in Virginia state history, to integrate in their school. And a lot of this was obviously by far the example of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., but also the example of Billy Graham and the two of them working cooperatively together. Then number four, he's looking for people of commitment, people who put the cause of Christ before comfort. Back to Epaphroditus again, uh, verse 25 again, but I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and he almost died. Now, this isn't anything fancy. I mean, Paul had the jazzy death. He got beheaded by the Roman Emperor Nero. Now, that's an awesome way to die. I mean, that is totally cool. Yeah, Jared, I hear you. You'd love to die that way, wouldn't you? Christina says, after the kids have been raised, after the kids are raised, you can get beheaded by you want to. I mean, Kim Jong-un, you know, beheads you. How cool would that be? Okay. Now, Paphroditus... All he did, you could only hope, yeah. <laughs> okay, just thinking Braveheart here, okay? A little bit of Braveheart death. I don't want a wussy death. I want a Braveheart death. Okay, so at any rate, Paphroditus, he traveled 800 miles over six weeks to, to, to minister to Paul. And all he did, nothing jazzy like getting beheaded by Nero, he just got sick. How boring is that? He almost died. Now, if, if, you just, if you're serving God with all your heart, and because of that you get sick, God says, honor people like that. On our staff, we hope everybody gets sick the day after Easter. That's just like, if you don't get sick the day after Easter, you weren't putting it all out there. Okay, I want you to know. I come into the office on Monday, hey, who's healthy here? Eh, must have been holding back on us, all right. Indeed, he was ill and he almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. 
Therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. And then number five, people of courage. People who put service before security. Verse 29. So then, welcome in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him. He just got sick serving God. Honor people like him. She just got sick from the third grader she was teaching at church on Sunday. Honor people like her. Okay? Just got sick from the babies in the nursery. Honor men and women like him. Verse 30. Because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life. In the original Greek, this literally means he hazarded his life. It's a gambling term. He bet his life on the cause of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help that you yourselves could not give me. Now, I've dreamed of this moment for over 10 years. Uh, Here's what we want to do with the last 14 minutes of the sermon and the closing worship. Uh, Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do seven minutes of an overview that Pastor uh, Peter Wilson, our media pastor, uh, found for me this week. We're going to do seven minutes of that. Then we're going to do seven minutes, the last seven minutes of a sermon that Billy Graham preached in 1976 in Seattle, Washington. And then we're going to sing two or three verses of Just As I Am, which was the hymn that they always close Billy Graham Crusades with. We're going to do that. And then it's going to pivot into kind of the new, the more contemporary Just As I Am, which is Come to the Altar. And we're going to pivot to that. And, and here's what I want to ask you to consider. And please don't feel pressured to do this. This is only if it would be meaningful to you. I'm planning on doing it, but you do it if, 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 if it feels meaningful to you. If you'd like to pray with somebody, there will be some people, Pastor Lisa and Pastor Greg and, and Andrew, Pastor Andrew, Pastor Andrew right here, are going to be down here, and they would love to. Uh, Pastor Adrian is going to be here, and anybody else I can't see right now, uh, they're going to be here at the front if you'd like to pray with somebody. But for most of you, I think what you're going to want to do is just to come forward during those two songs, just as I am, and come to the altar. You can either kneel right along here. The past two services, we've just filled the whole front here, and mainly with people kneeling here or kneeling there or or standing right here at the front, standing right in here. If you're in the balcony, it's going to take you about a minute to come on down, so you may want to start right off the bat uh, right away. And, and, and come down and just to stand here as a way of saying, I want to be a person who God uses. God, whatever assignment, whatever plan you have for my life, I, I want to be available. God, I'm just coming forward, neither kneeling or standing during that song, just as or praying with one of the pastors. I, I just want to come forward as a way. For some people, maybe you are committing your life to Christ for the first time. And I urge you to talk, to pray with one of the pastors down front if you're doing that. Or if you've got a need that you have to pray with one of them, that would be awesome. But for most people, you're just going to want to walk down and either kneel or stand here as a, a way of saying, Lord, I want to be a person that you can use. Whatever assignment. It might be a Paul-size assignment. It might be a Timothy-size assignment. It may be an Epaphroditus-size assignment. But whatever it is, that's, it's, it's important. And I want to be a person that God uses. So as soon as it kind of winds down on the invitation on the video, Pastor Jarrett and the band will stand us up and lead us on those songs. And at that point, just love to have you come down as many people as possible. Come forward to say, God, I want to be a person that you use.